Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to 100% Real Books. I'm Eliza and today we are going to be finishing up Out of My Mind by Sharon M. Draper. Hey everyone, um, so I know last episode I said I didn't know what we were going to read to, but it turns out it is chapter 33 because I didn't account for the extra Monday at the end of November. So next week, I might do just like a little specialty episode with my little sisters, or I might just not record because it is Thanksgiving and I'm just going to like have some family time, things like that. But I'm going to be finishing it up. And if you haven't finished the book yet, make sure to pause it right here, go finish it or save it until later once once you're done the book. I'm going to be reading the last two chapters, recapping it and sharing my thoughts. So without further ado, out of my mind finishing it up okay let me just find the page okay chapter 32 it's monday so i have to return to school today the temperature has dropped and the sun is glowing like some kind of frosted golden jewel yet everything feels different and not quite right mom spent the weekend at the hospital with penny sleeping on a cot in her room i have not seen her since well since everything changed i wonder if mom is mad at me Mrs. V comes over and helps me get dressed and fed. Even Butterscotch seems to miss Penny. She puts her head on my lap and looks at me with lonely eyes. I can't help her. Dad is a mess. He keeps dropping things like forks and keys. He starts to talk, then forgets what he was going to say. He hasn't shaved. Go and get yourself together, Chuck, Mrs. V finally tells him. A hot shower and a cold glass of orange juice will do you wonders. When you go and see Penny this morning, you don't want to scare the child, do you? Uh, you're right, Dad replies. You've got Melody covered? I'll see she gets on the bus. Now scoot. He bounds up the stairs to to the bathroom. Penny better? I tap on my board. Yes, oh yes. When I spoke to your mom this morning, she told me they have taken taken her off the IV already. Penny was eating applesauce, complaining about her cast, and asking for doodle, which I've got cleaned up and ready for her. Penny's going to be fine, Melody. Just fine. I inhale deeply. Miss V spoons eggs into my mouth, but my stomach roils with worry. Her leg, I ask, her leg is in a cast. It's big and clunky and will annoy the heck out of her, but the doctors have have said that when she gets stronger, she'll even be able to walk with it. I'm glad Miss V is always straight up with me. Wheelchair? I can't think of anything worse than a teeny baby wheelchair. No, they want her to move around as much as possible. I breathe a sigh of relief. Her head, I ask. Miss V understands. No brain damage, Melody. None. I exhale slowly. You sure? I spell out. Absolutely. I saw her myself last night. She bumped her head when she fell, but the car hit her leg. It didn't touch her head at all. The school bus, ho- the school bus honks then, so Miss V wheels me down the drive to meet it. She checks my backpack, adjusts my foot straps, and gives me a big hug. You ready, Melody? Ready to face the quiz team? I nod. After what had happened, what had almost happened, facing a bunch of snotty fifth, grader- fifth graders will be easy. Gus looks at me with concern as he lowers the bus lift. How's your little sister, he asked me. That is so scary. Gonna be okay, I type. Thanks. I realized right then that news like that travels fast. Everybody at school will probably know as well. Gus wheels me onto the lift and pushes the button to raise it as I wave goodbye to Mrs. V. The ride to school is strangely quiet. None of the usual squeaks and grunts from the students who, who ride the special bus. When we get to school, the air is chilly, so the aides take us directly to room H5. As we get settled, I look at my friends through different eyes. Freddie, who wants to zoom to the moon. Ashley, our fashion model. Willie, the baseball expert. Maria, who has no enemies. Gloria, the music level. Carl, our resident gourmet. Jill, who might have 
won't spend like Penny. No one, no, not one of them even knows how to be mean. And me, the dreamer who tries to escape room H5, a kid with a computer named Elvira. I don't know where I belong anymore. Catherine comes in then wearing a new outfit that is actually cute and stylish. Tan slacks, black sweater, and a vest. Nice outfit, I tell her. Thanks, and I did it all by myself. I have something for you. I point to my book bag. She reaches into my bag, digs around, and finds the card that almost led to tragedy. After she reads it, she blinks back tears. No, Melody, thank you. She leans over and hugs me. Then she looks serious and says, Mrs. Valencia called and told me about what happened with your little sister. How's she doing? Better, I type. You know, you probably saved her life, Catherine tells me. What? Seriously, your screaming and yelling slowed your mother down. Gave her fine time to figure out why you were acting like you had hot potatoes in your pants. Could not stop mom, I stab on my machine. You did exactly the right thing. I'm so proud of you. Really? Really. Especially after all you had been through at the airport. You want to talk about it? No, I type and look away. Maria comes over to my chair and gives me a big hug. You did good, Melly Belly, she says. Real good. I'm not sure if she's talking about the quiz team or something else, but my eyes get all drippy and my nose starts to run. I wish I could give her a big squeeze, ba big squeeze back to let her know how good she made me feel. But I just tap, thanks. I'm never sure how much Freddie is aware of what's going on in the world around him. So he surprises me when he zips over to me and asks, Melly go zoom in plane? He looks excited, maybe even envious. No, Freddie. I type, no plane, no zoom. His face scrunches up into sadness, and then he drives away. Miss Shannon comes over next and squats beside me. Your head must be near about ready to explode from all that's happened in the past few days. Boom, I type, but I don't feel like smiling. Let's talk at lunch, okay, Melody? Okay. Are you going to your inclusion classes, she asks. Yes, I type. I thought about this all weekend when I wasn't thinking about Penny. I decided I wasn't going to hide. I want you to know I'm very proud of you. She gives me a big big thumbs up and then gets our morning routine going. As it turns out, Miss Gordon is absent today, so the first inclusion class that I'm set to attend is Mr. Dimming's. Are you sure you want to go, Catherine asks me. Instead of answering, I power my chair towards Mr. D's door. Catherine rests her hands on my shoulder as I were in. A small brass-colored trophy sits on Mr. D's desk. The room is quieter than normal. Mr. Dimming clears his throat. He shifts from one foot to the other. He, run, he runs his finger around the collar of his, of his dim white shirt. He's back to his old, well-worn brown suit. His old shoes as well. Finally, he says, hello, Melody. His voice sounds fake cheerful. I do not reply. He wiggles so much, he looks like he is, has to go to the bathroom. I just watch him. No kicks from me, no weird sounds. I am amazingly calm. I glance over at Rose, but she is looking in the other direction. No one seems to know what to say. At last, I break the silence. I turn the volume up loud on my machine, then type out, why did you leave me? Somebody should have been there with a video camera proving that yes, a fifth grade classroom can be absolutely, totally quiet. Faces search other faces, each one willing another to speak. Eventually, Rose stands up. She looks directly at me and says, we didn't plan to leave you, Melody, honest. I look her dead in the eye and wait. I don't react at all, I just wait. She continues. We all went out to breakfast early that morning. I, I interrupt. Nobody told me about that. How come? None of them answers. None of them answer. Their silence says what their words cannot. It's better without me. I blink real fast. Claire finally stammers. We figured you'd slow us down because you have to be fed and stuff. It's so quiet. I swear I can hear my own heartbeat. You threw up. Nobody left you. Ooh, snap. I hear Rodney whisper. Claire stares down at her desk. Who took my place? Claire lifts her hand slightly, but she won't look at me. 
Rose scrapes at a spot on her history book. We finally finished breakfast. We finished breakfast really fast because we were all excited. So we got to the airport extra early. Condor stands up then. He looks uncomfortable. So when we got to the airport, they told us that the noon flight had just been canceled, but we could make the early flight if we hurried. Molly speaks next. So we check our stuff real fast, then rushed. I mean, like ran like track stars, even Mr. Dimming, down to the gate to get that early flight. Nobody thought about me, I ask. Silence again. Finally, Rodley says, I did. I was the first one to board the plane. Just as I gave my boarding pass to the agent, I reminded Mr. Dimming that you were missing. Mr. Dimming again twists from one foot to the other. I was so busy trying to count heads and check seat assignments to deal with everybody's carry-on bags, so I asked the kids to call you at home. I knew Rose at least had your number in her cell phone. All eyes shift to Rose. She looks at the floor, then slowly she looks at me. A tear runs down her cheek. You, could, you couldn't have made it there in time anyway. I, I picked up my phone to call you. I flipped it open, and then I looked at the rest of kids on the team. She pauses. I couldn't imagine them standing... I could imagine them standing there thinking about the chance to be on Good Morning America with that huge trophy and me. Rose continues in a whisper. We looked at each other. Everyone just made a tiny head shake. No. All of them? I shiver. Rose sniffles and whispers finally, so I closed the phone and we got on the plane. I, I never made the call. How can silence be so loud? Mr. Dimming finally says quietly, I'm so very sorry, Melody. So sorry. Rose bursts into tears and then puts her head down on her desk. Just before the competition, Molly explains, a reporter from the Washington Post came to interview the team, but he left when he found out you were there. Connor walks up to the front of the room, then picks up the ninth place trophy and brings it to me. He stammers and licks his lips. Uh, the team kind of wants you to have this, Melody, sort of to make up. He places it on my tray. The thing is the it, the thing is small, made of cheap plastic that has been painted to look like metal. The name of the school is even spelled wrong on the faceplate. I look at the ugly little statue and start to giggle. Then I crack up. Finally, I roll with laughter. My hand jerks at it and hits the trophy. I'm not sure if it was an accident or not, and it falls to the floor, breaking into several pieces. The class stares at me in surprise. When they see that I'm not going to go all ballistic on them, they finally start to laugh as well, a little. Even Rose sniffs and smiles. I don't want it, I finally type. Then, turning the volume as loud as it will go, I add, you deserve it. Still laughing, I click on the power to my chair, do a smooth turn, and roll myself out of the classroom. Okay, that was chapter 32. So chapter 33 is only like one or two pages. So let's read that. Fifth grade is probably pretty rocky for lots of kids. Homework, not never being quite sure if you're cool enough. Clothes, parents, wanting to play with toys and wanting to be grown up at all the same time. Underarm odor. I guess I have all that, plus about a million different layers of other stuff to deal with. Making people understand what I want. Worrying about what I look like. Fitting in. Will a boy ever like me? Maybe I'm not so different from everyone else at all. It's like somebody gave me a puzzle, but I don't have the box with the picture on it. So I don't know what the final thing is supposed to look like. I'm not even sure if I have all the pieces. That's probably not a good comparison since I could have put a puzzle together if I wanted to. Even though I usually know the answers to most of the questions at school, lots of stuff still puzzles me. Penny came home from the hospital with bumps and bruises, a cast, and, new, and a new red hat. Doodle is back in her arms. They're spoiling her rotten. That's okay with me. Even Butterscotch is treating Penny like she's an injured puppy. The dog has brought all her favorite stuffed toys into Penny's room, like gifts. Today I'm working on Miss Gordon's autobiography project. Miss V has Elvira plugged into the computer. Classical music is softly seeping from her new iPod. I hear soft purple. This is going to take a while. So much is stuffed inside my mind. I have lots to say and just one thumb to say it with. I guess I'll start at the very beginning. Words. 
I'm surrounded by thousands of words, maybe millions, cathedral, mayonnaise, pomegranate, Mississippi, Neapolitan, hippopotamus, silky, terrifying, iridescent, tickle, sneeze, wish, worry. Okay, and that is the end of the book. So that is the end to a very good book, one that I would strongly recommend to anybody because it is, it explores challenges that not every, not, not a lot of people have to go through. And things that Mel that Melody and people with cerebral palsy have to go through and it just it's like her story of of being accepted and then being left alone like and she can't even go to the biggest accomplishment of her, her young life and it's just like it's awful they didn't even think to call they they didn't even call her and like this book makes me feel happy makes me feel sad makes me smile makes me laugh makes me angry it's that, and that's what you want in a book. You want to be able to relate to the character, even if you can't physically relate to the character. Like, you want to be able to feel what they're feeling and feel empathetic and sympathetic for them. And it's, 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 uh, it was really good. I, um, I think probably one of my favorite parts of the book is when she is like standing out to people in her class, which is kind of in moments all throughout the book, but it's it's uh, really quite good because it just shows that she's a strong person. She doesn't need anyone else's validation, even though it can feel good to have other people's validation because it makes you feel accepted. It makes you feel like you're part of a community. It makes you feel good. It's And even with people who don't have challenges that can feel helpful, which is why you might be mean to someone like Claire and Molly are bullies to Melody, but I think it's just because they're masking their own, uh, like their own self-consciousness. And um, if you read the book throughout the whole thing, you'll know that when they were in uh, like the competition against, I think it was Perry Valley, Claire actually was saying, or maybe it was Molly, I don't know. They were saying that she was actually friends with Melody, even though she was absolutely not. So that just goes to show how when you're in a situation with peer pressure or when you're in on TV or something, it can pressure you to say other things that you don't necessarily mean. And I think Melody did a really good job handling that. And it was it was really good. And I think uh, it just goes to show how many things you don't know about people and you cannot judge someone just by how they look or how they appear. Um, I'm part of Social Justice Club and we talked about identity. And I think we talked about physical identity, like what people see and then something else you want people to know. And I think that that um, that really applies to this book because a lot of people just see her and think, oh, she's stupid. Just because she's in a wheelchair and can't talk or walk means she doesn't have anything in her brain. She can't say anything. So that means she doesn't think anything. And I think something that would be something Melody wants people to know about her, not just from first glance, is that she's really smart. Like she's the smartest in her grade. And I just think that um, other people need to accept that. Um, but yeah, that's the book all complete. I, I think um, I think that it was, I don't know how else to say it. It's, it's really good. Uh, very explorative of what other people's lives are like. And I just think it's worth the read. So that's Out of My Mind by Sharon M. Draper. If you 
didn't check out my last episodes, these will not make any sense to you, but um, make sure to go listen to them if you haven't, because they're, they basically just kind of tell you what went on in the beginning and like just did some other fun things. But um, next week, I'll see what we can do. And I don't know the next book we're going to do. Last month, I said we were going to do the one and only Ivan, but then I well, like couldn't find the book in my house. There's, we have a lot of books and I couldn't find it. And so I had to change it last minute. So I'm not going to tell you, tell you it because I don't want to like have to do a change thing um, like I did last time. But uh, I'll definitely do another one similar to this or something else that's appropriate and good for all age groups because this can teach something to older people, to younger people, to anybody. And yeah. Um, so I think that is it for this month's reading book club thingy. Uh, definitely recommend this book and make sure to email me if you have any questions, any book recommendations, any comments. That's at a hundred percent, that's a hundred percent real pod at gmail.com. And then make sure to check out our universal Instagram at 100% real underscore pod and check out Nora's Etsy shop at little bramble studios, all one word, capital L B S and do everything else. I'll put it all in the description. So if you want to just go check that out, but yeah, we will meet again for uh, our next book in the beginning of December. Uh, I might not uh, upload a episode next week, but just stay tuned for that if you would like. So bye guys.